You are sitting on the edge of a hillside, in the night, seated across a low-glowing campfire from an old, grizzled-looking sort of man. The firelight and the full moonlight light his features. He has a thick, white beard, long, unruly hair, and a dirty rag of a tunic all torn up by the sort of work he does. The old man, you know, is a gardener on the Mount of Olives. This whole stretch of the hillside, the vines down below, the private rich men's gardens up above, are the lifetime work of his old, worn-out, tired hands. He's sitting across the fire, looking at you, looking at you as you look at him, and suddenly, unexpectedly, he smiles. It is a wearied kind of smile, born of much suffering. His head leans off to warn one shoulder as he asks, Would you like to hear the story of what I saw? You nod. This is, in fact, why you've come here. The old man resituates himself, gets more comfortable. Well, he says, it was the full moon night of that Passover week. The moon was up. It was very bright through the olive branches. I was walking alone, downward, down toward that spot. He is pointing down below toward the flowing of the Kidron stream. Beyond and back above are the moonlight-lit walls of Jerusalem. The city seems to be fast asleep. The old man continues, looking into the fire. I was nearly down to the stream side, just above there, where the vines run north-south, and I saw them coming down the opposite trail. A man and a group of men following behind him. They walked on down the trail, crossed the Kidron, and then climbed up. I was only a few feet away, though they didn't see me. I then watched the man, the leader of the group, stop. He took in hand one of my vines. Then I listened to the words he spoke to his men, indescribable words, very beautiful. I remember them all well. I am the true vine, he said, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Naturally, I was enjoying listening to these words. This man understands my way of life, I thought to myself. And then he went on. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, he said. Oh, how lovely those words sounded upon his lips. Abide in me, he said. Then he said, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. There was more he said after that, but I forget it just now. After that, they walked on up the hill. I followed. I was interested in the voice of that man. He stopped up there, 
at that crook in the trail, turned about. Every one of you will lose your faith in me, I heard him say to his men, rather gravely, certainly sadly. As the scripture says, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Yet after I have risen, I shall go before you into Galilee. The teacher started to turn away. Then one of them said to him, Even if everyone should lose faith, I never will. The voice of this man was strong and true. Believe me, Peter, the teacher said to the man, this very night before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. But that man, Peter, protested to the teacher violently, even if it means dying with you, I will never disown you. And they all, all of the men around him, made the same protest. The old man pokes at the fire with a stick, loosing some of the embers. Sparks rise, knots in the wood pop with the heat. He is looking down into the flames. Farther up, where that lone tamarisk stands between the two olives, I had very, very nearly joined their group. I was in the shadows, but getting closer to listen. Suddenly the teacher turned and looked right at me. The light of the moon lit his face, grayish-white. He, he looked at me with his eyes full of feeling. Then, turning back, they arrived very shortly at the place called Gethsemane. You can pick it out by its snake-rail fence. Do you see it? Just up above and beyond the tamarisk? I myself waited just outside the fence. I didn't want to intrude upon their time there together. And the teacher, a man by the name of Jesus, I later learned, said to his disciples, sit down here while I pray. So eight of the eleven sat down in the moon shadows, waited. The air was soft and still around them. But he took with him that man, Peter, and two of the other men, and I saw him become, begin to become uh, horror-stricken and desperately depressed. If we were up there, I'd show you the exact spot, just past a clearing and beneath the branches of a particular olive. That was where he went with those three, clearly in anguish. His pain was written across his face like a scroll's writings. My heart is nearly breaking, I heard him tell those three. Stay here and keep watch for me. Then he walked forward a little way and, almost as if his knees buckled underneath him, he flung himself on the ground, praying aloud that, if it were possible, he might not have to face the ordeal. Here were the words I heard him pray. Dear Father, he said, his voice all trembly and overwhelmed with emotion, all things are possible to you. Please, let me not have to drink this cup. Then he lay there on the ground, still as can be. He waited on against the silence. Then he said, Yet it is not what I want, but what you want. I heard him say those words. 
and with that he rose from the ground up to his knees and then slowly stood to his feet. And then he came and found his friends fast asleep, the moonlight shining upon their wearied faces. He spoke to the one called Peter. Are you asleep, Simon? Couldn't you manage to watch for a single hour? Watch and pray, all of you, that you may not have to face temptation. Your spirit is willing, but human nature is weak. Then he went away again and prayed in the same words as before. I stood up there by the fence and listened to the whole thing. And then once more he came and found his friends fast asleep. They could not keep their eyes open and didn't seem to me to know what to say for themselves, for their betrayal. Then, when he came back for the third time, that's right, for the third time, he said to them in a voice resolute and strong, Are you still going to sleep and take your ease? All right, the moment has come. Now you are going to see the Son of Man betrayed into the hands of evil men. Get up. Let us be going. Look, here comes my betrayer. You realize the old man has started to cry. Great tears stream their way down his old furrowed face. He looks across the firelight at you. I'd been so intent on watching him, listening to his prayers, listening to his words to his friends, that I suddenly realized I hadn't been noticing anything behind me. But sure enough, there they were, the soldiers and officers. They must have left the city, uh, crossed the Kidron, come up the very same trail as the teacher, and now they neared the spot where I stood. The light of their torches lit up their ugly faces. At their head was a man whose eyes I thought were full of sorrow. And indeed, while those last words were still on the lips of Jesus, that man at the head, one of the twelve I learned, arrived with this mob armed with swords and staves sent by the chief priests and scribes and elders. The betrayer must have given them a sign. He, he must have said to them, The one I kiss will be the man. Get hold of him and you can take him away without any trouble. I imagine that's what he told his gang. For he walked straight up to Jesus, cried, Master, and kissed him affectionately. I stood by the fence line and felt the betrayal. After which, all hell broke loose. For the soldiers got hold of Jesus and held him. And then somebody present, it may have been Peter, who the teacher called Simon, drew his sword and struck at the high priest's servant, slashing off his ear. It was a ghastly thing. I saw it fall to the ground. But the teacher simply reached down, picked it up, and reaffixed it to the man's head. Just like that. Fixed. Then he spoke to them, to the lot of them, the soldiers, officers, to his former friend, the betrayer. So you've come out with your swords and staves to capture me like a bandit, have you? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you never laid a finger on me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then I watched the way all the disciples deserted him and made their escape. They tumbled out of the garden, through the gate, over the fence. 
and there happened to be a young man trailing along behind Jesus' followers who wore nothing but a linen shirt, just a boy. And the soldiers seized him, but he left the shirt in their hands and took to his heels, stark naked. The voice of the old man trails off. He resumes poking at the fire with his stick. You wait a time before speaking up, breaking the silence. And did you ever hear what happened after that? You ask the old man. Yes, he answers. And did you hear what happened three days after that? You ask. Yes, he answers. And did you ever see him again after that night? You ask the old man. Yes, he answers. When? You ask, uh, somewhat startled. He smiles. Well, that's a story for another day, he replies. <laughs>